Welcome to the next episode of Dairy Pod. Uh, my name's Peter Gaffey and I'm a Regional Extension Officer at West Vic Dairy. Um, and today we're going to be talking about preparing your farm um, for the fire season ahead. Um, we're quite fortunate today to be having uh, a quick chat to uh, Mark Billing um, from Colac. Welcome, Mark. Hello, Peter. Um, great to have you today, Mark. Uh, I just want to find out a bit about your situation for a start. So you're a dairy farmer in Colac. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yep. So uh, Sam, uh, my wife and I, uh, in partnership on a dairy farm just west of Colac, um, milking 400 cows on a dry land system, and um, I've been there myself personally for four generations. Yep. Ah, fantastic. And um, are there uh, other people involved in the farm? Like you employ staff? and Yep. So we've got three staff um, and one's full-time, the other two are permanent part-timers. Um, and they're pretty important to our business, obviously. Yep. And um, they operate day-to-day. And when I put my CFA hat on, they fill, fill the holes on the farm. Fantastic. So you've been in the industry now for a long time, basically all your life, and you've held a fair few roles in the dairy industry. Can can you describe those to us over your journey? Uh, yep. I um, was a director of the Bond Lake Supply Company for a period of time. Uh, I chaired the Fonterra Supply Forum. Uh, just recently finished up with Westwick Dairy, did a, a three-year term with Westwick Dairy as a director, and uh, now a policy council with UDV and a national council with the Australian Dairy Federation. Yeah, great. Uh, fantastic that you're getting involved and helping out those organisations. Uh, that's that's fantastic. But we're, we're here to talk about fire today, Mark. So tell me about your involvement and how that's evolved um, in the CFA over, over your journey. Yep. So I joined our local brigade um, 34 years ago, which now seems like a long time. I joined when I was two. Um, not really. Um, <laughs> but I um, have been involved in, in our local brigade. Um, it's it's the staple for our area, like a lot of regional areas now. The fire brigade's nearly the only thing that survives. Um, so I worked my way through the ranks in the local brigade and then went into the group. Um, the group works on a structure of, it oversees brigades um, and I became group officer, so the leader of the group, um, 20 years ago and uh, I'm responsible for 15 brigades and that covers a large portion of the Otway ranges as well. Yep, yep. Fantastic. So plenty of experience with fire and uh, and preparing um, people for fire and uh, and um, experience with that. Um, so we've um, we've already seen in New South Wales um, the fire season has kicked off a bit earlier than than usual. Um, we've had a pretty good season down here in the southwest, uh, and I guess across the different daring regions, there's going to be different stories um, happening. What um, what sort of preparation would farmers sort of look at as we're coming out of spring? Um, you know, with the fuel loads potentially could be high, and if we do have a hotter summer, what are some of the things that we might do to sort of prepare our farm and our team? Yeah, look, I think um, it's all about developing a plan. And you mentioned the team and making sure that whether it's the teams, the rest of the family or staff or or uh, people that are coming onto your farm on a regular basis are aware of what your plan is on the bad day. So, as you say, we're already in on a, uh, an environment that we're seeing extended fire danger periods. Um, far East Gippsland's already in fire restrictions, um, which is one of the earliest periods that's been um, brought in. We've got a bit of time up our sleeve in the southwest, but 
Um, it's all about the plan. And, and things that you need to consider is you know, where you're going to put your cows on, on the bad day um, if something's coming over the hill, whether you're in a bush landscape or whether you're in an open grassland. It, it really, the fires behave differently, but the impact can be very similar. So it's making sure that um, when you develop your plan, that people are across, okay, where are we going to put the cows if we need to shift them? Remembering that there's going to be potentially a lot of smoke and ash in the air, how your cows are going to behave. Um, I don't know how mine would behave. I haven't been in that situation to shift cows in smoke. Um, but what I've heard is that they do get upset. You've got to consider that you're probably going to have helicopters flying around. You're going to have vehicles on the roads that are travelling at speed um, if they're emergency vehicles. So all of those things need to be considered. But um, a refuge paddock is a good one. So a paddock that's going to be reasonably safe. That could be a, a paddock that's been cropped and been fed off, um, low amounts of fuel on it um, as far as fuel for fire. Yeah. Um, and obviously shade for the cows and, and water because their welfare is still pretty important. And water is an important one. Um, often when we have fire events and that sort of thing, power um, can become an issue. So um, most dairy farms have uh, powered pumps um, to keep the water up to them. So it's certainly a consideration to have in that, that regard. Yeah, so I think whatever you put in your plan, you've got to pretty much allow for no power. So you, when you're developing your plan to, to ensure that uh, whatever you're relying on for your water resource doesn't require power to, to either pump it or move it or whatever the case may be because um, in my experience in any sort of larger fire situation, one of the first things that will go is power. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. Usually we're in high wind situations as well. So um, as we saw at the St Patrick Day fires a couple of years ago here in the west, um, we had uh, a number of trees come down, and that's you know moving cows around or getting to stock uh, in those wind conditions can be pretty horrendous as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, have your have your generators and different options in place um, in the event that you do lose power is uh, very good advice. So I guess that comes back to preparation and planning. What are some of the other things, Mark, that you would um, you can uh, you can lockdown ahead of time so that you're not sort of making decisions when the blood's up and it's all happening what are what are some of the other things that you'd have locked down in that plan before you get going oh look as i said before it's important that the plan's communicated so um if you have a refuge paddock make sure everyone knows um where it is the other decision you're going to have to make is is whether or not you're going to have family or staff out and about on a on a bad day um so that needs to probably be the the first decision to be made. If we have a really bad day, um, are we going to actually move around about the farm? Because even moving around, checking water troughs or whatever else could be risky, um, driving a vehicle around paddocks, quad bikes, whatever it is. Um, so there's that one. Um, if you've got private fire equipment, make sure obviously everyone knows how to use it yeah. and that it's operational. Um, there's nothing worse than starting uh, to put out a fire and you run out of fuel because it's only got a little bit of fuel in the pump or something like that. So there's some basic stuff like that. Um, the power one we've talked about, um, but I think another one that pops up um, is just checking your insurance and, and do that first before the fire comes over the hill Yeah. so that you're actually covered for what you think you're covered yeah. for. Um, and I know a lot of people just insure their boundary fencing, which is fine. It's, you know, it's a risk decision. Um, but fodder, uh, particularly yeah. at, um, if fodder availability is an issue or the cost, whatever you've got... Um, just make sure if, you, if you're not prepared to take the risk, then it's insured, insured properly, 
And things like um, silage bales, for instance, if the plastic burns off, does your co- insurance cover actually cover you to rewrap those bales if need be? Yeah. So just simple things like that. And I would recommend that you have a chat to your insurance broker and just make sure you're actually covered for what you think you're covered for. Yeah, make, make sure you've got those finer details because uh, after the event, uh, the rude shock might be that you're not as well covered as you, as you first thought. Absolutely. Um, is, there, is there anything else that you might uh, do in preparation uh, for? I, I think, um, look, one of the really basic things is ensuring that you, you haven't got huge weed and grass loading, particularly dry grass and weeds, around your farm buildings, around hay sheds, um, particularly around wherever you're going to put up your cows um, if, in a hurry if you need to. Um, so those, they, they seem obvious. Um, and look, leading up to a fire season, we're all busy doing hay silage and everything else. Um, it's sometimes easy to overlook um, those simple things around just keeping fuels down around the farm buildings. But that's pretty important because us as firefighters, if we come in and, and the environment has got fuel reduced around those buildings, they're much easier to protect. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I guess even this time of year, as it starts to heat up as you head in towards summer, having long grass around the dairy um, you know, is a good place for snakes to hide. So it's probably a health and safety thing as, as much as anything to reduce those fuel loads. And I know getting around the districts, you do tend to see a bit of grass poking out of the top of gutters as well. So getting, uh, getting the, the gutters cleaned out and that sort of thing um, is, a, is an easy win as well. Um, so what about um, actually during the, fu- the fire event, Mark? Is there um, anything that you would do uh, that, that yeah, during look, that um, time? Definitely um, with this day and age, uh, Total 5N days are pretty well publicised the day before. Um, most of us watch the weather reasonably closely anyway, um, but I think uh, when it comes to fire weather, just be aware of what the fire danger ratings are and what they actually mean for your area. Um, if you're in a bushland area, um, it might be slightly different to a, an open grassland area or a combination of the two. Um, so just um, getting yourself aware of what the fire danger ratings actually mean. Um, total fire band day, obviously, there's a, there's a number of things that you can and can't do. And a really good way to find out what you can and can't do in Victoria's situation is just jump on the CFA website um, and download the can I or can't I um, sheet. And that pretty much tells you what you can do around um, machinery, um, hand tools that create sparks, all that sort of stuff. Um, the other thing to sort of remember too is that uh, in Victoria, um, tractors that are operating during the fire danger period must have a, a either a knapsack, an operating knapsack or a 9-litre air pressurised extinguisher on them at all times and operating. Yeah. Um, so that's one to, to keep in mind. Um, it's come more than handy in, in my case with a baler once. So, yeah. um I mean, there's, there's that side of it, but there's the, the legal side of things too as far as having that equipment. Um, and I think on a bad day as well, it's just timing. Um, a lot of us would be feeding silage that time of year yeah. or strip, stripping crops off or whatever it is. Um, but um, if you can do that in the cooler part of the day, so mate, if, if it's the night before, put a load of silage out or do it first thing in the morning, um, so that you're not driving a tractor around and operating machinery on a really bad day. Yeah. Um, and obviously bringing cows up um, for the night milking can be pretty risky too when you've got bikes, quad bikes or something in the paddock, uh, bringing cows up. So just having that in mind that, and, and talking to staff and family about the potential risks of having those vehicles in the paddock on a really bad day. Yeah, for sure. 
in those hot windy days where things dry out so quickly it's uh it's a real recipe it only needs a little spark doesn't it to, yep. to get away and those um i think they do ban the use of things like welders and grinders so if you have a breakdown you need to be mindful of the weather conditions before you get those tools out and yep. get get busy fixing yeah, yeah. definitely and another one that sort of gets overlooked a little bit too is electric fences Yep. So a lot of people do turn their electric fences off on extreme days. Yep. Um, I know there are some people that put timers on their electric fences and turn them off at, say, 11 o'clock in the morning and back on at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Um, if my cows are like everybody else's, they'll soon work that out, though. And Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want cows wandering around everywhere. But um, just to be, again, mindful that um, electric fences can start fires. Yep. Um, if you get a spark with dry fuel around um, on an extreme day, it's another ignition of um, source of ignition that we can take out of the equation. Yeah, yep. yeah. We've um, we've had a, a history of fires. There was the 1939 Black Friday, 1983 we had Ash Wednesday, um, and then 2009 we had Black Saturday, and then more recently we had the St Patrick's Day fires as well. Um, Things have changed, obviously, a lot over that time, and we probably are getting a greater intensity. What are some of the ways that we can stay connected um, as a community um, to try and make sure everyone stays safe? Yep. Um, well, most uh, fire services around Australia now have apps that um, have push messaging. So um, if there's a fire in your area, it'll push through. Um, the CFA app is, is reasonably good. Um, it, it's sometimes quicker than our paging network, um, but... It's a good way of keeping um, in contact with what's going on around you if there's, there's smoke in the air or something. Um, I think one of the mistakes some people make is that um, they get all their jobs done early in the morning and they go inside, shut the curtains, turn the air conditioner on and watch the cricket. Um, that's a nice thing to do, but the, the issue can be that um, you're not aware of what the wind speed is doing outside, the temperature, and if there's smoke in the air, you may not necessarily smell it inside. Yeah. So making sure that um, you know, regularly checking... Whether it's the radio, television, an app, um, and there's some apps you can download. You can actually see where fires are. So all of those things. Um, it's not just one thing. It's a combination of just that heightened level of um, um, looking for issues that are potentially happening. Awareness. Yeah, yeah. We're now in mid-December, Mark, um, and there's fires in the area that that have just started up. Uh, what, what should we be doing? I think firstly um, is try and ascertain where the fire is, which direction it's travelling, um, and, and that can be reasonably easy. Is just looking out and seeing the wind direction. If the fire is to the northwest of you and it's a northwesterly blowing, then um, it's fairly likely that you'll get some sort of impact, whether it's smoke, ash and embers, um, or the fire itself. It's, it's all going to come your way. So um, hopefully by then you've already reviewed your fire plan and your, your staff and family know um, how to behave when the fire does come um, and then uh, finding some way of, of actually monitoring what's going on. Um, I think if you're seeing a lot of fire vehicles and aircraft in the air it's a fair bet that it's a, it's a reasonable size fire and it's going to create some sort of impact. Um, so I'd start to be looking at um, how we're going to respond to that. So whether we're shifting the cows, whether they're right where they are, Where's the family? What are the things that we need to do? And that should relate back to your personal plan. Yeah. Um, the CFAs run on volunteers. If you're a young or old, for that matter, person who wants to get involved in you know, helping protect 
the uh, community from fires. What what would be your first steps to getting involved in the CFA? Uh, well, every local area around Vic- regional Victoria in particular has a, a local fire station. So uh, in your local community, you'll know somebody who's in your brigade and it's just a matter of saying, look, I'm interested. There is a process to go through, obviously. There's minimum training that's required. Um, but that's... Um, that's reasonably easy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, um, we're always on the lookout for volunteers because, as you say, particularly in rural Victoria, uh, in a lot of rural areas around the country, the reliance on volunteers is, is pretty heavy. Yeah, for sure. A lot of dairy farmers probably make the ranks of uh, of your local CFA in in the southwest. I would have thought. Certainly yeah. do. Which is good. Um, which is very good. I think the other thing too to remember is that if you see a fire. Uh, in the area and you're not quite sure whether it's been a reported or, or being responded to the the best thing to do is to ring triple o if you see smoke and flame the best thing to do is ring triple o rather than ringing your mate that is in the cfa or the local captain because they a might be busy and b all they're going to do is hang up and ring triple o anyway so the fastest way to get a response to a fire or any incident that's requiring a, a fire response is to ring triple o yeah and on um, heightened days or high level days um, our paging network changes slightly and we respond more trucks and aircraft could be involved in that first response so it's pretty important as I keep saying to bring that triple O number and that starts the wheels turning quite quickly yeah and then um, if you if you go to heading into your, into your um, uh, fire season and the fire restrictions haven't started yet um, but you've got some burning off to do. There's another number that you can call to register your burn yep. as so, well. So um, every state's slightly different, but uh, in Victoria there's a one wait one eight hundred number, which if you just Google CFA, um, it's there. Um, I would recommend for any burn of any size you're going to do, whether it's trees or rubbish or whatever it is, that you actually register that burn because um, it can sometimes be a bit embarrassing uh, when the local fire truck turns up to to put your you fire out when you're trying to clean up. So, um, in this day and age of mobile phones, people travelling up and down the road see a fire, they think they're doing the right thing by calling it in, as they should. Um, but if you have a registered burn, then there, there'll be no response from the, the CFA if it's not required. So, um, the fire event has passed, and, and uh, yeah, what, what would you be looking for if you have been affected by the fire? Who, who's out there that might be able to help you? Mm. Look, there's a number of things that happen post fire. At, particularly if a fire's gone through your property, um, there's the initial shock of that happening and the adrenaline of, of trying to save what you can um, and you know, making sure everyone's okay, you, uh, the stock welfare is okay, all those sorts of things. So um, one of your first ports call might be the vet if you've got um, cattle that have been injured. Sometimes uh, you can look at cattle and, and they'll be fine, but if they've in, inhaled a lot of smoke, it'll be a day or two later before you, you actually realise that they've been affected. Um, so stock management's pretty important post-fire, making sure they're fed, watered, sheltered, all that sort of stuff to the best you can. Um, and milking, obviously, if you've lost power, um, trying to get those cows milked as quickly as you can um, is not always easy if you don't have alternatives for power. Um, obviously, you, you, you're going to lose fencing, so how do you, how do you manage that as well, um, particularly if you've lost a lot of boundary fencing? Yeah. Um, so that's one thing to consider. And then there's sort of the longer term recovery stuff around pastures and, and that'll be different to how intense the fire's been. Some areas will be pretty well scorched and may take some time to recover and there's other light burns that might just sort of take the top off and all you need is a bit of rain and it's going to freshen up. Um, 
One of the other things too around insurance is that it's sometimes really handy to take photos, um, photos of your buildings and those sorts of things uh, for insurance purposes. That's a good one. But um, stop take of your fodder on hand and yep. that sort of thing as well, and have yep. a you do it for your dairy base anyway, so you might as well keep a regular regular check on how much feed in case it does get burnt and you need to replace it. Or, That's right. Or so as much evidence as you can have to sort of say, well, this is what I had. Um, yep. pre-fire and, and this is what I've got now post-fire. Yep. Um, the other thing to remember too is once a fire's gone through, particularly if you're in a, a bushland area, is that um, trees get pretty stressed through fire. Yep. Day one, day two, the trees might look fine, um, but sort of a week later, you'll just potentially have a lot of trees dropping. Um, so trees is one of the biggest risks post-fire um, that are still standing. Um, there could be trees that are burning higher up that you don't realise or the, the roots have been burnt. Those trees can become quite unstable. So um, for family and, and staff moving around those areas um, after a, a fire's been through, it, um, it, it really is advisable to be very cautious around any tree, even if it looks okay. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I've been researching the last uh, couple, of, um, couple of days around fires and your plan is whether you stay or whether you go. Um, and the stats seem to say that if you change your mind halfway through be- between staying and going and leaving it too late, you can um, have some pretty diabolical um, consequences if yep. you don't. So um, what, would you, what would your thoughts be on that? Oh, look, I think... The, the important thing is to have it in your plan. So it might be that um, the kids go into town or the kids go somewhere safe. You don't have staff on farm during a, a bad period of the day or limit staff movement around farm and, and even you know your own movement around farm. But you're right, if, if you decide you're going to stay and then at the last minute you go, the last place you want to be is on a road with a fire running through. Um, after Black Saturday, we saw all those cars on the sides of the road where people have tried to outrun the fire and have come unstuck, which we don't want, No, obviously. So um, it's being very clear about your plan um, and being um, responsible, I suppose, for your own actions. In other words, if you're going to stay, you make sure you're properly prepared. Don't just make the decision that morning we're going to stay if you haven't done all the pre-planning, if you don't have your, your fuel reduced around... Um, the farm buildings, your, your private unit's not big enough or hasn't got the capacity, but very definitely don't do it on your own. Mm. And, and, and probably don't underestimate it. I think probably a lot, of, um, a lot of farmers, a lot of people just in general underestimate the intensity that a fire can have in the ideal conditions with the right fire conditions. So large fuel loads, dry, windy, um, it can become very unpredictable, especially when you've got, um, you know, elevated areas or hills and yeah. fire can move really, really quickly and ash and, and um, embers and that sort of thing can travel a long distance yeah. and come in and you'll have fires spotting in front of you and behind you and all of a sudden um, you're in quite a vulnerable spot. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the key word again is if you're going to stay, you, you have to be prepared. And then um, just jumping back around to the recovery, uh, everybody's different. We all um, we all deal with situations um, differently. How how important is it to check in with your team? You know, two months, six months, even twelve months after a big event like that, that they're just you know coping with the situation. I mean, your team and just the general people in your networks as well. 
Yeah, uh, very definitely. I think well-being now is, is something that it's just what we need to do day to day. Um, there's no doubt that when people are put under extreme pressure and um, witness extreme things that it, people will behave differently and it might be a number of months or even a year or two before they uh, ex exhibit any sort of um, repercussions from that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's pretty important to stay connected, um, keep talking to people. Um, the thing, I suppose, unfortunately, with fire in our landscape is that it's something that's not unusual. Um, there's others that have had to deal with it. Um, quite a lot of people have got through the other end. Um, some haven't, unfortunately. But again, it's, it's, to, it's making sure you stay connected and um, seek out those um, organisations that can help. Uh, so, Mark, I think we've we've covered a lot of uh, ground today and there's been some really good points that you've raised there about preparing your farm. Uh, is there other information available that we can uh, that we can use to help get ready for this fire season? Yep, so in each state, um, your, your local fire authority or website will have um, some things around farms. But DA, Dairy Australia, have um, a couple of documents that are really good. One's called the Dairy Farm Fire Plan, which is a great document to work through, particularly with family and staff. And then there's another one called Preparing Your Dairy Farm for Fire Threat, which is like a checklist of the things that we've talked about today that um, you can sort of put all in one place and, and people can have a look at and, and sort of even to hand to contractors on a bad day. Um, it might be a total fire ban day, but um, making sure that you, other people that come onto the farm are aware of, of what to do when there's a fire. I think that's all we have time for today, Mark. Um, thanks very much for your contribution to uh, the Dairy Podcast. Is there anything else that you'd like to add at all? No, I think just uh, stay safe, um, stay alert and, and make sure that uh, you plan and keep your team fully involved. Yeah, there's some, there's some really good messages there, Mark. Thanks very much and uh, stay tuned for the next, uh, until next time. 